Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Eat Meat Question Everything. Today, we are joined by our favorite and our first repeat guest. Bart, you are the first repeat guest we've had on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here again with us. My absolute pleasure and my privilege to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you. Let's just hop into it. Since you've already been on, do you want to give a quick introduction about yourself, who you are, what you specialize in, and then we'll get into all of our super exciting questions. Yes, sure. I'm a former professor of health science, specializing in cardiovascular pathophysiology, what causes heart disease, human nutrition, the physiology of rest and exercise, and statistics if you like. So they're kind of my areas. They're the things I've, I've taught, among other things, um, over a 25-year career in academia, which I've now thought much better of. And instead, I'm being a YouTube creator for your entertainment and educational benefit, I guess. Awesome. So you kind of know what you're talking about when it comes to carnivore. <laughs> so <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> Let's just jump right in. Okay. So we pulled our community and asked what they want to specifically ask you. And we got a ton of feedback. So a ton of questions. We'll just jump right in. Um, I feel like this is one of the most popular questions that everybody wants to know. Weight loss. If you're having a weight loss stall or, just, you know, what are some tips to get through that? Yep. Okay. So the first thing is that we should really call a spade a spade. And fat is not a dirty word. And what people are really looking for is fat loss, not weight loss. They're not the same thing. Your weight is made up by the weight of the fat on your body, the muscles in your body, the skeleton in your body, the connective tissues, your blood, everything else. And a change that can be absolutely positive, i.e. having less fat and more muscle, is, is a good thing. It's a great thing. And yet you might end up weighing exactly the same thing on, a, on the exact same amount on a scale. And so, yeah, let's, let's be clear. We're talking about fat loss. So if you want to lose fat, first of all, that would assume you've got some fat to lose because at the end of the day, once you get to your genetically ideal fat carriage level, which will be almost none, there's no you know, not much further your body will go without taking some pretty extreme measures. And I don't suggest that's a good idea, frankly. I think for a woman that the most sort of healthy, ideal, genetically predetermined amount of fat that you should be carrying around is around about the 15 absolute minimum to 20% mark if you're going to use a body fat percentage estimation. So how do you achieve that? Real simple. Eat carnivore, 100%. No plants, no carbohydrates, no fiber. Um, dairy plus or minus, if you like. Salt to taste. Drink water. Rinse and repeat. Eventually, depending on how much excess you've got on your body and how long it took you to put it there, you'll get back to where you should be. There's nothing else more technical that you need to do. That's it. Okay, people, well, a lot of people say exercise, exercise, exercise. Not really. Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say someone specifically said they've been doing carnivore for two years. They've had mm -hmm. a few off days or weeks. But what if yeah. people are doing that and it's still not coming off? I mean, there, I would assume there is such thing as like 
eating too many calories at some point, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or what would that would that be? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, I encourage people to lose the term calories, frankly, because I don't think it's useful. Um, I, I tend to encourage people to think about the mass of fat, protein, and carbohydrate they're consuming as three separate things. I suggest the mass of carbohydrate you should consume is none at all. And the mass of protein should be around about 1.75 grams per kilo of ideal body mass, which, you know, you can convert that into pounds if, if you like. So you'd, you would need to uh, multiply the kilos by 2.2 to get a value in pounds. And, or if you are working in pounds, you'd do it the other way. You'd divide by 2.2 to get kilos and you'd use your ideal weight and you'd eat 1.75 grams of protein per kilogram of ideal weight. Cool. And then you would get the rest of your intakes in the form of fat, um, animal fat that is, largely saturated animal fat. And you would start eating when you're hungry. And when you get that message, oh, I'm quite full now, you stop eating. Even if there's two or three bites left on your plate, you put the fork down. That's where you stop. Uh, put it in the fridge, come back to it later, and it'll still be there in, in some houses. Not, not so much in mine, but that's that's for another day. Um, that's around about the right, you know, all things being equal, the, about the right amount of food, mass of food. Obviously, if you're very, very active, you'll need more food than that. But I suggest you get the more food in the form of more fat, not more protein. That that protein figure is is pretty well set, irrespective of your lifestyle, pretty much. Um, even if you're like a bodybuilder, doesn't it? You still don't need more protein than that, and and, and actually, it's not helpful because it will just turn into sugar, frankly, which you don't want. And so that's that's pretty much it. When there's a stall out in terms of someone losing fat off their body, almost invariably it's because they are still carrying some degree of inflammation, chronic systemic inflammation. And I've put out a video, it's one of those in five minutes or less videos on my channel that talks about four hacks, if you like, or, or techniques that you need to undertake in order to deal with inflammation. In order to get your weight loss going again, you need to deal with the inflammation that's holding you back. So I would suggest people go and watch that video on my very fine YouTube channel. Okay, cool. awesome. And that's a good point. You know, the whole stop when you're full. I, I find that difficult um, with dairy or bacon or salami. So I think if, I mean, if I'm full, I'm going to stop eating like a ribeye or a burger patty. I could easily continue eating those other things when I'm not hungry. So, I mean, that could be part of someone's issue, maybe paying attention to what foods that even though they're carnivore don't allow you to listen to your hunger cues. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep. Agreed. Um, you really do need to challenge yourself often and think, am I really hungry? Cause I mean, you'll know if you really genuinely are hungry. And, and that's the signal that should start you eating. You should not start eating because you're bored or what am I going to do for the next half hour or you're stressed or upset or, you know, whatever. The reason to eat is because you are genuinely hungry. 
and you will get a message when you've got enough nutrient on board. Your your, your body is designed to give you that satiety signal. Um, you need to be able to hear that signal, I guess, and to respond to it appropriately. So that's that's the kind of discipline side of it. Um, yeah, that's about it. Devin, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say that kind of segues into the other question that we got asked about, like, um, someone had specifically asked like blueberries on a, I'm not sure if it was on a regular basis or just like a small every once in a while. Is it a small amount of low carb berries every day? Your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, like a, a, a dessert bowl full of blueberries is probably going to amount to 30 or 40 grams of carbohydrate total. So probably not a huge deal if everything's going well and you are losing fat and you are progressing and your inflammation is under control and your bowel function is great and your skin is clear and you know, you're not irritated and all of that sort of stuff. The problem if there's going to be one with berries is that it contains fiber and fiber can upset your enteric system thus causing a cascade effect of chronic systemic inflammation, which, even if it's low grade, will stop you from losing fat. It will shut that off. Even if you under-eat in terms of what they, they generally call the calories or the energy content, you'll still hold weight. You'll, you know, your, your body will still work against you. And this idea that if you consume fewer calories than you're using you will lose weight is not correct any more than if you consume more calories than you're using you you will gain weight that those are both false um, your body composition and your body weight is almost entirely under the control of your hormones and your inflammasome and that kind of stuff um so yeah so you're saying if you're in a perfect condition, you, you're good weight, you have, everything is regulated and gorgeous and you're feeling amazing that yeah. maybe like a little bit of berries would be okay. Um, but it's not something to mess with if you're even remotely in out of sync in some department, whether it be weight, skin, bowel function. Yeah. Spot on. Okay. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's probably what everyone would like. I don't think anyone would recommend it if you're not at that like 100% mark. I think that's probably why she asked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking, since you brought up having too much protein, um, Devin, I didn't write out the question in full, but you saw oh, it. Was it like having yeah. like spiking your blood sugar for this? Yeah. And, and I know that you feel strongly about this, this notion of being in a ketogenic state. 24 seven and people obsessing about their ketones. And I know why people ask this question, but basically the question was along the lines of, you know, should we be worried about consuming protein because it kicks us out of ketosis and therefore we're not in a fat burning state? Um, mm -hmm. I, I know your opinion on this because you and I have chatted about this a couple of times and I've also listened to you talk about this in Bella's group a bunch too. Um, so yeah, can you just answer that question and maybe why people need to not be worried about their ketone levels 24 seven. Yeah. Okay. So the, the genetic design of the human body over eons of time has been that 
when we can get food in, we do. When we've been lucky, when we've the, the hunt's been successful or the scavenging has been successful, as the case was before we learned how to hunt well, then we would basically fill ourselves to the gunnels, and that was great. And our body would then absorb those nutrients and use as much protein as it needed to use in order to maintain body tissues and replace blood cells and all that kind of stuff. And any excess protein then turned to sugar and then from sugar into fat for storage. And then when we were in between successful hunts or successful scavenging events or whatever, then our body would dip into the stored fat using ketogenesis as the means to, to translate that energy around the body so that there was enough energy for our brains and all of that kind of stuff. So that's the design. We are supposed to drift in and out of ketosis. Actually, every time you eat anything, pretty much, because generally a meal will be a mixture of protein and fat, and if it's not, it should be. Okay? And the insulinogenic effect of the protein, assuming that you're eating your protein in one meal, you're eating one meal a day, which is what you should do, by the way, that's enough to cause a little, like a sleeping policeman, not a huge spike like you'll get from eating carbs, but just a little one of those in your insulin. And that will kick you out of ketosis for several hours, as it should. That is the biological design that is supposed to happen. And then as the energy level drops, postprandially, et cetera, then the ketogenesis kicks back in. So you'll spend... If you eat once a day, you'll probably spend 20 hours a day in ketosis, as you should. And you'll be out of ketosis for four of those 20, as you should be. And the reason you should be is because if you're in ketosis deeply all the time, without a break, and you're avoiding protein and you're afraid of not being in ketosis, what happens is your thyroid function can be damaged by that. And that can be a long road back. That in and of itself can also be another reason why you might not be losing any fat, by the way. The other thing that happens is your kidneys become leaky in terms of the ability to filter electrolytes back into your blood. And as such, you will urinate out a lot of electrolyte and then you'll start having muscle cramping problems, twitching problems, restless leg, um, irregular heartbeats, headaches, all of that sort of stuff that's associated with, with electrolyte imbalances. So it's a very, very bad idea to stay in ketosis all the time and you should not do it. So in other words, eat a decent meal of protein once a day, 1.75 grams per kilo of ideal body mass. Get it done. Okay, I have a few questions. Okay, so, yeah. but then you're saying there is such thing as too much protein can be bad, but you're not. you're just not worried about having it where it's kicking you out of ketosis. That's right. Because it should. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, now I'm curious, since you bring up OMAD, for me, it's hard to eat that large amount at one time. Can you have like a, a couple hour window for OMAD or how can it be done for someone that can't eat a huge volume? Yeah. If you really genuinely struggle to get enough volume in one meal, 
to is your only option. Um, I'm giving in the ideal world, assuming that you're able, you should eat once a day. That's that's the ideal thing. If you have to eat two meals a day, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, you might consider consuming most of your protein in one of those two meals rather than splitting it in half, though, for the reasons I've just been talking about. Maybe. Okay. Um, sorry, I don't know if you were going to yeah. say something, Devin. Uh, I have I have two questions, but Courtney, I don't. If your if your wheels are turning, I don't want to interrupt you. No, just because it's on this, I'm just wondering. Okay, so two, but what if instead of two, what if you just need maybe like two hours to get your OMAD, or or is it better to eat in 20 minutes, take that break, and then eat your second one later than be eating constantly for two hours to get that one meal in? Um, or is this too nitpicky? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't think it's that important. I, okay. I mean. Okay, I I tend to eat one meal a day. I can do that. It's not a problem for me. I'm not a big man either, so it's not a huge volume of food. I'm small framed. I'm five six and 140 pounds dripping wet. Okay, so it's not a lot of food. Um, of course, it's all relative. I would generally eat that in 15, 20 minutes tops. Done deal, no problem. Others might need to sit with it as you're talking about, for a couple of hours, maybe have a window of a couple of hours to get your, your volume in, fine. And if it's in two or three courses to get it in, fine. I think that's okay. Um, it does take several hours for your protein to be fully broken down and absorbed anyway. So I, I don't think it's it's a critical problem at all. I wouldn't necessarily be eating grazing style for four or five hours. I think that's probably too much of a window. But... It's all a bit of guesswork, isn't it? And it'll be a bit individual. Play around with it. See what see what works for you. Um, my question is, there is like a lot of talk, like even from people like Paul Saladino who said, oh, I had to stop doing like ketosis and um, like worrying about keto being in ketosis and carnivore because my thyroid function went down. Um, but I think a lot of these people are obsessed with their ketone levels. Like they're measuring, they're making sure they're in ketosis. Is there a chance that the lack of protein, because there's this fear of being kicked out of ketosis, is there a chance that people who are always worried about being in ketosis are under eating protein, which is causing and wreaking some internal havoc on like the um, function of a thyroid or our, is that possible? Because this is a narrative that's been going on for quite a bit. And I'm now I'm, when you said that, I was thinking, well, if you're under eating protein, because you're afraid of being kicked out of ke a ketogenic state, and you're under eating protein overall, because of that that can wreak havoc on you yeah. internally, too. Yep, absolutely. Yes, okay. like anything, it's, it's, it's an ideal amount. Um, and, you know, that, that figure I was giving 1.75 per kilo of ideal weight, that's going to be plus or minus probably about 7% for you individually. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the mean value, the mid-range, I guess, of the bell curve in terms of what is ideal is going to be at 1.75. And you'll be, as I say, 7% either side of that for... Um, for 95% of people, very few people need less or more protein than, than that amount. So it's, it's a pretty robust 
figure. Yep. So and under, to and what, yeah, what kind of issues can like happen? Because I see a lot of people under eating protein. Now, I don't think you have to hit like a protein goal every single day, but if you are only doing it, if you're only hitting your protein goal two out of seven days, I think that can be really problematic. Some people are sending me their macros and they're eating less than 90 grams of protein a day, which for most women, especially is severely under eating protein. So what, since it was so asked, like, you know, people are concerned, what kind of issues happen, especially to women who aren't eating enough protein? Right. Okay. So a, a clinically diagnosable shortage of protein is actually a condition called kwashiorkor, which you can look up and see what that looks like. And it leads to the severe abdominal bloating and inability to control electrolytes, heartbeat, whatever. Those are usually starving kids in Africa or somewhere like that, that you see these pictures of with the and the absolutely yeah. otherwise. Um, before you get to that level, a sort of subclinical, not diagnosable as kwashiorkor situation, but being very short of protein, or just go and look at any vegan, pretty much, because they all are deficient in protein. And you get that pencil neck, skeletal, um, concave chest, um, eyes falling back into the back of the skull, skeletal, emaciated appearance, an inability to maintain any muscle mass. Um, you will see poor skin quality. You'll see ashen pallor. You'll see wrinkles. Um, those are all protein deficiency signs, absolutely clearly. In the case of a woman who is under eating protein, and I'm talking obviously about a woman of childbearing age, then because of the loss of protein every month, you're going to get into a situation where you might not be able to make enough red blood cells, for example. And then you might have a problem with clotting. Mm -hmm. Your hormone cycle is going to get messed up, absolutely, because your hormones are all based on cholesterol, by the way. And... Um, you know, if you're not eating the right balance of protein and fats, that's going to get all messed up as well. Ah, what else? Thinning hair. I'm not protein deficient. I'm just a man. <laughs> it's, you know, um, I don't know. Are there other things you're, that you can think of that you're all aware of in terms of that? that I, I was going to say the, the hair loss. I, I hear that a lot. Yeah, when they're not getting enough protein, so. Yeah, yeah. Also, you know, lack of energy, um, slowing down of the metabolic rate. You might start putting fat on while ever you're stripping muscle off. Um, you'll feel depleted, tired, without energy. Your mood will probably go off. You know, all of those things can happen. Thank you. Thank you. Just eat your protein, ladies, for goodness sake. Agree. Okay. Um, this was an interesting one. I, and I feel like we would probably need like more information from her to give a specific answer. But someone is not feeling as amazing as they did in the initial month they went carnivore. Like she mm -hmm. feels like she plateaued. And I don't think she meant 
weight loss. Um, what could that be? The first thing I would do is I would need to find out more about exactly what she's eating. But let's look at the diet and see what how it's made up and see if there might be a problem there. If there's going to be a problem, it's going to be one of the very few things most likely. It's going to be too much protein or not enough protein or not enough food or too much food, really, I suppose, is the other possibility. And those are the most likely issues. And it'll be tied up around probably, you know, metabolic function as a result of not having the right balance of, of intakes. Almost certainly. And you're quite right. We need more info. Yeah. I, I, to ask off of that question, um, do you think that people who start carnivore and have awesome, you know, they feel amazing when they first start, once they begin to really do that healing, do you think it's possible that different types of meat or different processed meats or even dairy can start to feel a little bit more, they're more sensitized to that stuff since they've been healing. Because I know when I started carnivore, I was totally fine with dairy. Like I would put cheese on everything. I would have creamer in everything. Like I would make all the things. And now I'm pretty much hundred percent dairy free because I realized it made my skin break out, but I felt totally fine the first couple of months with dairy. Um, and then eventually I started noticing some issues. So do you think that's like a possibility as the body heals, it becomes more sensitive to dairy, processed meats, things like that? Yep, absolutely. Um, without any question in my mind, that does go on. Um, probably the most common sensitivity that a carnivore eating person is going to experience is going to be dairy and it's going to be lactose. I'm one of these people who is definitely lactose intolerant, no question. However, I can eat cheese. I don't eat a lot of cheese, but I can. Cream is no problem. Again, I'm not having cream because the only time I would have cream is if I was drinking coffee, which I'm not currently doing. Um, Greek style, unsweetened Greek style yogurt doesn't seem to be a problem for me. But as soon as I go anywhere near like milk, no good. So you might find that, I mean, if, if, if milk is still in your diet, that's the first thing I would take out for a few weeks and see if that improves the situation. If, by the way, you find that you are intolerant to lactose and milk, it's almost certain that you're also going to have a problem with eggs. There's a connection there. I don't eat eggs either. I maybe have them once or twice a month. So maybe. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. And that would, would that be like, oh, I mean, everyone's different, but would that be more of like the egg white as opposed to the yolk? It's something in the whites. Yeah. Yeah. It's the protein in the egg white that seems to go hand in hand in people for some reason with the, the lactose intolerance and lactose is a sugar. So it's not even, I'm not sure exactly what the mechanism is. I just know that those things often travel in pairs. Um, you also need to be a millionaire in New Zealand to get eggs anyway, because our government just decided to outlaw keeping chickens in cages at all, anywhere in the country. And so there's been this huge um, reorganization of the entire industry. And as such, eggs have been become a, a scarcity. And, you know, it's almost like 
it, don't bother investing in gold. Go and get yourself some eggs and you know keep those for a, a rainy day sort of thing. I don't know. Interesting. Um, well, speaking of eggs, someone was wondering if you can only afford like the worst quality eggs, is that still okay and better than no eggs? Um, it depends. It's very individual whether or not you're someone that reacts well or badly to eggs. And I mean, the only way you, you're going to know how you're going to respond to poor quality eggs is to try it and see what happens, really. Just be prepared to listen to your body. If you do react badly, go, well, there's your answer. Don't, don't try and negotiate with it. Oh, well, maybe it was because, or maybe if I just, no, that means you should stay away from those kind of quality of eggs. Okay. If there's no reaction, is there like a difference in like the nutrients you're getting from those eggs as opposed to a chicken run around your backyard? Very little. Okay. Really. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with the meat argument about should it be grass-fed, should it be grain-fed? Yes, ideally grass-fed is best. If you can afford it and if you can easily access it, fine. If not, grain-fed meat is still vastly better than any plant-based diet or any diet containing plants. Now, I think we try to overcomplicate everything and make everything more difficult than it needs to be and be too picky and too um, dogmatic and factionated. Yeah, and then you've got idiots running around saying, oh, no, you mustn't cook your meat. You must eat it all raw. Absolutely that not. Was, that was my question. That was my final question is this, uh, <laughs> right, um, okay. this very popular thing going around that you don't need to cook your meat and we're killing all these nutrients and raw liver and raw organs. And mm. I, I know your opinion, but for the people who are watching that might not binge watch your most recent content I would because new carnivores are coming into this and they're hearing this and it's scaring people away <laughs> to think that you have to eat raw liver or raw meat or whatever or just sear it can you clarify that because we have quite a few people who are scared because of that so okay you do not need to eat anything raw if you don't want to if you do want to fill your boots up Absolutely fine with me. I have no problem with people eating raw meat if they want to. You shouldn't necessarily make your whole identity hinge on that for the purposes of YouTube viewership or something like that. Um, you shouldn't claim that you have knowledge of human nutrition if you don't, which a lot of YouTube people are running around doing. Um Cooked meat is absolutely fine and still provides you with all the nutrient you need. Further to that, you actually don't need to eat any organ meat whatsoever. None, if you don't want to. If you do want to and you enjoy it, again, that's fine with me. But the one thing I would say to you is do not overdo it with liver. That can be very, very problematic. Very problematic. For like a vitamin toxicity, like well, vitamin yeah, a lot of a lot of people will go straight there and say, oh, it's the vitamin A thing that's the problem with with uh, liver, isn't it? It's actually not really. The real problem is that it is it is hugely, hugely too much copper for oh. a human being, and that can upset a whole bunch of other electrolyte levels. And there's a knock on effect, knock on effect, knock on effect, and it it it, it leads to real problems. Um. When you think about it, if you think about how much of an animal is its liver versus its edible muscle mass, that's about the proportion in your diet that you should eat liver if you're going to. 
more than that, you're asking for a problem. Yeah, yeah that makes I, sense. I never thought about it. Like, <clears throat> what would you, if you killed the whole animal and you got a freezer full of the meat, what would you be eating the most of? And it would be the the muscle meat and kind of like the fat stores. You'd only get, you know, one of the organs that like, you don't, you don't get this mass. So I never thought about in that context. That's brilliant. Mm, yeah. The other thing that's really interesting, I've seen it several times, is you'll see footage of Inuit in the Arctic Circle when they've got a seal, for example, and they're divvying up, divvying up, divvying up. The vast majority of the organs get thrown straight to the dogs. They don't eat them, or a very small amount. Interesting. They know. That is uh, interesting. Do you think that is like part of Saladino's issues, why he stopped being carnivore? Do you think he was eating way too much organs and that kind of like fucked up his electrolytes or whatever it did? Exactly that. Yes, I think that he almost certainly, that's the thing that messed his electrolytes up, um, combined with, I believe he was eating three or four meals a day because he's so active and as to get in enough protein and enough fat and stuff to fuel his, his frantic exercise, frankly. And as such, he wasn't getting one meal where there was enough protein to give him that insulin effect. So it's all knock on, knock on, knock on. Instead of sorting out the problems, okay, number one, you should eat once a day, Paul, not three or four times. Number two, you're over-exercising and that is not a good idea, actually. Number three, you're poisoning yourself with copper with all this liver, fresh liver, as well as he was taking truckloads of dried liver pills because he's selling those with his, because of his business relationship with the now fully exposed liver king. Um, we knew he was on the juice all along. Of course he is. You don't get that <laughs> without juice. Sorry. Even those people that say, no, not me, I'm natty. No, you're not. That's unnatural. That requires juice for you to get there. Sorry. Um, anyway, so, and he was promoting that, et cetera. So it was, it was all self-reinforcing. He was absolutely headed for disaster from the beginning. Um, so in short, the answer is you did it wrong, Paul, and you never were a carnival. Teehee. <laughs> See what I did there? Courtney, <laughs> yeah. um, I never thought about it. I never put two and two together. The overconsumption of organs with his, he talks about his electrolyte imbalance. It was when you said that, I was like, oh my God, you know, with what Bart said, I'm like, that all makes sense now because it's all yeah. like liver and organ and organ and organ and organ. I never thought about that. Well, and I didn't come up with that. I saw someone else ask that somewhere. So that was in my head. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that kind of makes makes sense yeah and that's probably also why folks ought to get their advice on nutrition from someone who knows something about nutrition paul saladino is an allopathic doctor his training first of all is in general practice medicine and he's then specialized as a psychiatrist okay paul saladino in his entire career has probably had maybe several hours if you're lucky or formal education regarding human physiological systems as that relates to human nutrition and etc 
um, doctors are trained to make diagnoses and to prescribe drugs and or suggest surgical interventions. That's that's his lane. Now, he specialised in psychiatry, which means that's what he should do. He should go and be a psychiatrist um, rather than, you know, trying to be a, a YouTube influencer on nutrition. I mean, it, it, it's fine if he wants to do that, I guess, but in using... The I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor thing. He's, I mean, because people think doctors know everything for some reason. No, they don't. They're specialized just like any other professional. They're not trained in nutrition or, or any of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just, it's silly to take nutritional advice, I guess, from someone who's claiming authority that they don't have. And that's, it's perfectly okay to be in a position where you have a channel where you're saying, look, as far as I can tell, based on studying this material and listening to people like, say, myself, this is what we think is probably the best. But I'm not claiming authority here. As soon as you say, I'm a doctor, therefore you should listen to me about this, though, that's where the mistake is, I think. Yeah. Can I ask you, how do you compare people like Paul Saladino and Dr. Ken Berry and Dr. Chafee? Like, how can people who are coming to the carnivore space kind of tell the difference between these two types of doctors because a lot mm. of people look at doctors who are on youtube and go oh well they're a doctor they're a doctor they're all the same they all had went to the same schools what is the difference between a paul saladino and a dr ken berry or a dr chafee right the difference is dr ken berry and dr chafee both provide correct information and paul saladino does not <laughs> That's the difference. Now, how do you how do you know that as a as a lay person, someone who's not trained? Well, I guess the only way you would know that is by having listened to someone like myself who can point out the exact flaws and what it is people like Paul have to say. Um, that's what I mean about you should get your advice from people who know what they're talking about, first and foremost. And of course, the difficulty is that um the YouTubes and its algorithms and all of that decides who gets to have the biggest audience and who gets to, you know, get in front of the most people. And I guess that's a, it's a bit of a shame really. Um, but I guess it's buyer beware. Do you do your due diligence, check it out. Look at a lot of people's material. Um, starting with binge watching all of mine on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. It really is. Okay, well, I mean, we could go on for hours, but let's try and wrap this up before we do our fun questions and all that. Is there anything that the people need to know, anything you're passionate about right now, a hot topic? What What do you want to leave us with? Yeah, really, it's, I mean, it's it's very, very simple. What you should do, ideally, as a human being in terms of feeding yourself, what sort of lifestyle nutritionally you should follow. Too many people running around trying to vastly overcomplicate this. Too many people factionating, saying it's this, it's that, it's the other thing. It, look, this is easy. Eat the muscle meat and associated fat of large ruminant animals, plus or minus dairy, depending on how you respond, if you want to. Salt to taste, water for your beverage, rest and repeat. Eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. That's it. Pretty much. Boom. The well, perfect clip right there. 
<laughs> Thank you. Do we want to ask the fun questions first or where everyone can find him? Let everyone know where they can find you. Yes. Okay. If you go to the YouTubes and you punch in at B-A-R-T hyphen K-A-Y, you found me. <laughs> if you look underneath my videos, all of them on that channel, you'll find links out to about five or six other different places where I interact on social media, including other YouTube channels, IG, Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. I have a lot of fun over there because it's one of the few pay places where people can actually speak reasonably freely these days. Thanks, Mr. Musk. You're a good dude in that respect anyway. Um, so that's always fun if you want to follow the fun and games that happens over there. Um, yeah, I've got a Discord channel as well and all that kind of stuff. It's all linked for you, all linked over there. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, we didn't we didn't do this when we interviewed the first time. So these are new questions that we started asking. They're fun. Number yeah. one, and I, I know this from watching you for years now. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> um, ooh, I've stopped using quite so many now. It seems to be that that's that's played its course. It's that that did its role. It, it it got me some notoriety and some views and subscribers and stuff. People don't seem to mind that I'm not doing it so much anymore. But it was all the double-barreled ones that you put together. Well, what you do is you, you take a bad word and you hyphenate it with a perfectly innocuous, perfectly clean word like. You'd call someone a cock lunch or a fuck trumpet or something like that. Um, or an ass hat or, you know, whatever, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> I actually stole that idea from Steve Stifler from American Pie movie. That's where I got that from originally. They're kind of double banger, you know, one, one word that's clean and one word that's not. So, Yeah. <laughs> We love that's, that. That's the yeah. that's an original answer. We've never gotten that one. Usually it's the F word. So yeah. um, number two, when you were not carnivore and you were kind of eating whatever you wanted, what was your favorite food? Ooh, uh, that's going back because I, I was mostly ketogenic for about 20 years before I even went carnivore about eight years ago. So I have to think back a long, long way. I used to really like corn. Corn doesn't like me, though, I find. Now, it's one of those things you talk about becoming sensitized to something. Anytime these days, if I have a corn chip or something like that at a party, straight away, we've got corn. <laughs> um, so, yep, corn was a good one. Um, I used to enjoy pizza a lot, even though I'm gluten intolerant, it turns out, as well. Um, and dirty, dirty beer. Mm. Dirty beer. Mm. Yes. I could take a drink right now. So number yeah. and number three, what are you currently reading or watching? Currently watching a Netflix series called Shadow and Bone, which is quite cool. Watching the second series of that. Apparently the third series is underway in terms of production. Um, that by no means is an endorsement for Netflix. <laughs> happen to be watching at the moment um reading wise i'm generally keeping up with the latest publications in terms of nutrition and physiology in the journals um not so much a fiction reader i i've been known to read fiction from time to time but i just don't get time really i'm working about um 
probably 60 hours a week to produce the videos and do the consultancies that I've got going on and spend a bit of time on the on this rural business that I'm running as well on the side. So it's it's pretty pretty busy, pretty jammed. Well, I think that's like a great segue to thank you for your time though, because we know how much effort you put into this. So we're so happy to have you. My pleasure. And I'm happy to do it anytime at all. You just you just book me in and I'll be here. Um, because I think you know it's it's great that we can do this kind of cross-pollination and go on each other's channels and yeah, I just want to reach as many people as I possibly can. And I'm sure that that's what you guys want to do as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, just get the good word out. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Um, I know everyone's going to love this one. Lots of great info. So thank you so much. Cool. See ya.